welcome to our podcast. Today I'm joined by Martin Seeley and together we're going to explore diversity and inclusion in coaching. Martin is a professional coach specialising in driving exceptional results by cultivating executive relationships, building high performance teams and supporting senior leaders. Martin has a wealth of experience within the corporate landscape, holding key positions as regional director, program director and account director. Martin's passion in coaching is to create impactful behavioural change for teams and individuals. And in line with this, he's delivered transformative outcomes in numerous corporate organisations globally. So welcome, Martin. It's an absolute pleasure to have you on this as a guest today. And as you know, we're going to talk, be talking about diversity and inclusion in coaching. Thanks, Drayton. Lovely to see you as always. And um, I'm pleased to be here. Great. Thank you. So diversity and inclusion in coaching, that's a huge topic, right? And we've only got 45 minutes or so to, to discuss it. So if we may, just to help our listeners and how I guess help us to really focus in on that topic and make it most useful for our listeners, from your perspective, help me to understand what you mean by diversity and then inclusion. So diversity is a very interesting term. And if I think about the way that it's been used in its generic sense, where you're just talking about difference. You're talking about the way that people show up and how their differences might um, manifest themselves in terms of behaviours, questions they ask, um, whether they're free to contribute, whether they don't, all of those nuances that makes us human beings. Yeah. One of the things I found, I think an example is the best way to really hone that definition. I spent a couple of decades having to deal with the fact that I, the more I traveled, the more I found people coming up in all shapes and different sizes with different needs. My acceptance of the difference of how some, an engagement might work in Israel versus Dubai, mm. very, very different culturally. Similarities in terms of proximity very very different and I needed to find a space in me as a coach to accommodate those types of differences so the first part of diversity for me is around understanding the fact that we're different means that there is some interest in us finding out how we do the same things differently and I think diversity for me has always been a celebration of the fact We've got more than one way of thinking about a problem because most engagements is trying to solve some kind of problem. They don't typically hire us if things are going well, right? There's, yeah. there's something needing to be addressed. And not only coaching people from different backgrounds, but having coaches alongside me from different backgrounds, that definition of diversity has always been a comfort for me. It's always been a sense of appreciation that the world is a big place mm. and it comes in a number of different ways, depending on who you're talking to. Mm. Think, Tell me about the word comfort. That's a really interesting word to use. I guess our audience would understand this difference and I want to explore further that. And you talked about gaps and being different, but doing similar things. But tell me about this comfort. So. For much of my corporate background, I was typically a minority 
the more senior I got. And it wouldn't be unfamiliar to me to be the only black guy in the room. That became my norm as soon as I got to director level. The things that we're interested in, I would find people from different backgrounds. I would find somebody from Asia. I'd find somebody who's flown in from America. I'd find different nuances. But I didn't feel alone anymore because the fact that there were other different people in the room from sure. different parts of the world kind of normalized the fact that I was the only black guy. Sure, okay. And, and that's why I've always embraced it when I've seen difference and an opportunity to learn something new from somebody whom I haven't met before. They come from a different part of the world and I expect them to be different, but I find that comforting because now we can really find out what it is to be a human being. Right? Yeah, nice. So, uh, I really like that. And so what you're saying, having difference in the room created a level of comfort to you because you felt different in the room. Yes. yes but the other yes. key piece that I'm hearing you say is a curious curiosity to explore that difference and understand that difference and embrace it was a key part of not only as a director within the corporate world, but also within the coaching world, working with individuals and teams yeah for sure yeah and and i think one of the things that is so interesting if a word is used to suggest something is going to be difficult or hard it's really interesting what it creates somatically if it's used as a word to suggest we're not going to be doing something we'd want to do but we have to do that's a very different paradigm very mm. very different and um, and if you think about if you think about technology, innovation is created by new ideas coming into being that weren't there before. And what better way to create new ideas than to get people who think differently? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the diversity and I guess linking into this, the neurodiversity that we have in organizations and the great creativity and different ways of thinking and operating that someone who is not neurodiverse. Right. Yeah, yeah. And and Trayton, I always try and use normal language to say, for example, you're going to a family gathering mm. and you're aware that your family has a number of people coming from different parts of the world. How might you think about how you cater for that? How might you yeah. think about out who drinks alcohol doesn't drink alcohol mm. how might you think about is it customary just to shake hands and hug as we do in the west or is there anybody from the middle east where actually there's something different and I, I keep it really simple we cater for people of differences by trying to understand and accommodate and mm. we all grow in the process yeah so the things you're describing I guess a very practical and before, you know, at the beginning of this, you said, you know, the behaviours that we have. So asking about, I guess, dietary requirements or how we interact with someone initially. That's what I would call, if I may use coaching language, the outer game. I guess the best way to leverage diversity and all those differences is to develop an inner game which has that ability to accept, to understand to leverage, 
to be curious about those differences and then maximize that difference to get the impact that you know we want as coaches or whether that's on a one-to-one or team basis so help me understand some of the approaches you've learned in helping people develop that inner game and that greater level of understanding and and what need or want to embrace diversity take it from two perspectives yeah I like examples because it makes it tangible. Yeah, I'll take right. it from I'll take it from the professional working inside an organization, person of color, so that we can incorporate everybody. Yeah. And they are looking to move to the next level. And that phrase you just used is perfect. That inner game and that sense of insecurity, because you know, the person knows the promotion means there's going to be a less likelihood they're going to engage with people that look like themselves. Because one of the organizational facts we face is the higher up you go in the organization, the more homogenic it becomes and the less diverse it comes. Some organizations buck the trend, but that's not an unfair generalization. So my conversation with an individual looking to be promoted does start with the inner game. Does start with a recognition, some some obvious things. If you weren't good enough, you wouldn't be here. If your experiences wasn't of value, and therefore you are a valuable, you wouldn't be here. Mm, mm. The fact that the organisation you're working for is one of the leading professional service organisations in the world, you have something very valuable about you. And how is that value being displaced? simply because you're going into an environment where you believe your mind the fact you're a minority might count against you yeah. so it's the whole notion of trying to normalize that psychology from the inside first yeah yeah so they can show up as their best self they can come in with ideas they can contribute they can really start to show people why they've been promoted and that inner game takes work it really yeah. does yeah and and it's it's an interesting term you, you do, and i'm always very conscious when i use this talk term you talked about normalizing it because you know what is normal normal to you is different to normal to me but i guess what you're saying here is there's a cultural norm that's going in with many organizations and if i can take your example you know a person of color being promoted may not feel normal within that normal culture because they are different so uh, help me understand how using your language how you help people to normalize that and accept that and leverage that in a way which enables them to continue to be successful let's stay with that same thing yeah the fundamental part of any conversation around diversity doesn't go very far without talking about psychological safety okay how safe do i feel in this environment to be myself and in being myself will i will i be able to excel and that normalization is that we are making distinctions about difference but does that distinction need to be a negative and it's the relationship with the framing of the conversation and the actual subject matter 
which is often at the heart of the issues that organizations face. Because if I take it the other way around, I was doing a gig where a number of senior managers were now taking on board responsibility for having diverse teams. And that work was around how they would show up and not appear patronizing or in any way not considerate of the fact that people have different ways of communicating, of holding ideas, of giving ideas. And by having an open conversation using normal language, for example, how do we make anybody feel included in anything? Whether it be coming to our home, whether it be coming to a party, whether it be going walking to lunch together, how do mm. we know how to make others feel included? Mm. And why would that be drastically different? Because we're talking in a business context. Sure. So well, it's think... tapping into the wisdom of self to unlock some of this stuff. Yeah. I certainly get it how we make feel people feel included you know those examples that you've given but it, it, it feels to me that we do things that are in that outer game and that feels like we're making people feel included so I guess there's two elements to me which is sort of piquing my my interest here one is around the work you do to help people feel psychological safe in in going into that that new space but also, and I don't know if you do this, but you know that gig you, you talked about. How do you get organisations to understand how to make people feel included and safe within a space of those cultural norms? So there's two ends. It feels like there's a dance going on, and both parties need to accommodate and be accepting of those differences and get those differences, leverage those differences to get that creativity. And innovation you spoke of yeah and you know the interesting thing about what you just said for any change to happen there needs to be an acceptance that something must change mm. that acceptance can come in a number of ways that acceptance can come with some initiative that is designed to show we care and there are some initiatives that are designed we are going to make tangible changes to make people feel we care. Two different things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And when you start any cultural change where the culture of the organization has to now embrace the fact we have very talented people coming from very different backgrounds, all able to contribute, how are we making it safe for their contribution to impact the organization? How are we? creating different ways of being so for example brought up in the uk friday night going to the pub as normal as anything mm, mm. but that might not be the case for many people who don't drink who have a different way of celebrating it's friday night yeah and change begins with just the acceptance that there are differences that need to be honored to make people feel they belong. And it doesn't mean one is excluded from the other. It doesn't stop people doing what they want to do to celebrate the Friday, the Friday in the pub the way they would always do it. 
But yeah. it's just to take on board the idea half of our team might do that differently. Yeah. And it's yeah. that awareness that begins the first seed of change. And what's so interesting in all the conversations I'm having when I am coaching people of color, you'd be surprised how quickly it's noticed. You'd be surprised how the smallest of things are acknowledged. And, and it's always amazing to me how we sometimes fail to realize how the smallest of things can have the greatest of impact. Mm -hmm. Because you become hypersensitive to when someone's reaching out and you become equally sensitive when someone's pushing you away. Sure. So what you're saying, the first part here is raising awareness. That's a that's a key element of both parties. Yes. Um, and people are sensitive to small things, whether they're positive or negative things that will, I guess, help develop that that sort of inclusion or that that psychological safety. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Because if if you think about when we meet anybody in an organization, whether we're mm. selling or providing services, we ask ourselves a whole bunch of questions. How did that meeting go? Were they interested? Did they like what I had to say? Were they attentive to the main point of my, my, my contribution to the meeting? All the things we take for granted in the normal discourse of what it is to be inside of an organization is exactly the same Mm. measures mm. that we have as human beings mm. did i feel as if i could contribute in this room did anybody ask my opinion was i offered any space to show a different perspective from perhaps where i come from mm. and these things aren't hard <laughs> because we do them every day but somehow we inhibit the very things we know because the thing we're trying to make different we're giving it an added layer of complexity, which forgets the fact we are human beings first. Yeah, it, it's when you say it like that, it, it's crazy, isn't it? That we're all human beings and we allow these things to get in the way, in a way, both parties. Absolutely, absolutely. And the fact that these conversations have now become more commonplace means mm. that on the one hand one of the barriers to entry is the fear of getting it wrong that's often a conversation i have mm. Mm. when i drill down into that what is what is wrong in this instance what do you mean by getting it wrong it's usually unfounded beliefs based on the lack of attention that's being paid to the person never mind the subject the person in front of you <laughs> What are their wants and needs and hopes and aspirations? And how are you addressing that as their manager? Sure. So are we, it's more than empathy here, Martin, right? Isn't it? It's more than understanding the other person's perspective. What I'm here you're saying is that, and I had a conversation recently with someone else in similar vein. It's about not only understanding their perspective, but understanding them as a human being. At a deep level. First and foremost. Yeah. First and, foremost. and as coaches, we're taught to try and understand the client that's sat in front of you. 
but just help our coaches and other individuals that are, that are listening how do you go about understanding the individual in front of you not just in a coaching session but just generally in in life because you obviously have a skill of it so help me and our listeners understand how you do that i think as coaches we have a a, a wonderful opportunity to be an instrument of change because we think on multiple levels and as well as using the cerebral, we use the somatic. Mm. We use the fact of what's not been said, what's not in the room, what question mm. hasn't been mm. answered. So we've got this wonderful way of doing a dance of multiple perspectives simultaneously. Yeah. That's a good thing, right? And I think I think many coaches will recognize that. So then how do we use this so-called multiple perspectives that we we, we have? For me, somebody asked me this question similar they asked me a question on a group coaching they asked me what are you feeling in your heart for this client and it just paused me really just got me to just stop because instantly a whole bunch of data became apparent to me which mm. wasn't apparent before that question mm. So in answer to your question, it's my felt sense that this person is not only of worth, I have to find a way to make them feel they are worthy. Nice. And that's as much about how I feel about what we're doing mm. as well as what I say. Sure. Yeah. Because it's, it's, it's a transferable. The data's in the field and it can be felt. And if you just think back more years than we care, when we were kids, our antennae was pretty sharp. Yeah. To understanding what was around us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. But it's it's sadly my experience is that it's a lost trait and skill of human beings to I use the term notice because I think great coaches notice. They notice what their head's telling them. They notice what their heart's telling them. They notice what their gut's telling them. They, they sense it. They can get that sort of understanding about the whole person that's in front of them. And then the skill of the coach is to use that data to ask a great question or just to stay silent or to react because they can, as you say, sense and feel what's in front of them in, in, in many ways. Yeah. yeah. But you're right. As, as my experience of working with many leaders is that for some reason they tend to lose that skill of noticing they come more focused on potentially on the numbers rather than the human being and i think as coaches we develop and refine that skill of noticing yeah. Um, yeah. And, and feeling and thinking and just recognizing that person for who they are in front of us with that other piece that you say is a real desire to want to service and to allow them to flourish for who they are and you know for me the, the privilege of being able to, to to be in service of somebody else's thinking is a privilege it, it's nothing it's something I, I i never take lightly i think i think i did uh, i did some work with um patrick lencioni's five behaviors that whole concept of vulnerability based trust mm. it's magic because it's just so easy on the ear but it's so profound in the implication that 
I share something with you, if I am open with you about who I am, why I'm here, perhaps even about my family, my background, that that connection, when I understand exactly the same for you, means that we are able to have the most difficult of conversations in the future because we've had the most simplest of conversation in the past. And that's what builds relationships which can sustain the organizational pressure of having to achieve when we go up the, the triangle to accountability and all that stuff. But, but being vulnerable enough requires courage and it requires a bravery that sometimes we doubt we have. What if I get it wrong? Go back to that part. Sure. What, if it, what if I'm rejected because I've done it clumsily? What if, what if, what if? But the bravery means I'm going to dare greatly anyway. Because I do believe that if you show the level of empathy to another human being that you would want them to show to you, you have a pathway to a relationship which can only flourish. And I think it goes beyond just showing or having, I should say, empathy with another human being. It's allowing that empathy and that trust to then lead to better conversations. Yeah, yeah, for um, sure. And, and for, for sure. me, that's where the magic happens, not just in coaching, but if you could create that type of environment across an organisation, the amount of creativity, innovation, growth that one could create is just phenomenal. Yeah, you know, there's many textbooks on resistance to change. But one of the things that I, I, I value most is when you move towards the unknown, when you haven't really figured out all of the answers, but you do it anyway, that reaching across the aisle, so to speak, mm. in the hope there'll be something on the other end to, to be received. These are the very simple ways that you can start change without having to spend a whole bunch of money. But to your point, much of this has to be demonstrated by the leaders who others look to. Because you do normalise the culture from what leaders do. And if all of us embrace the fact that we are leaders in our own right, we have knowledge of something which is unique to us, and we're prepared to lead on that subject, then you've now got an instrument of change. And for coaches, with all of the skills that we possess of questioning and, and inquiry and, and holding the space and creating psychological safety. This is why, for me, coaching is in such a wonderful position to be the normalizer of having difficult conversations and bringing both parties to realize their own capability to do just that. Mm -hmm. Right? This need not remain this big, mysterious challenge, which we need to somehow continually going round the same loop without those significant steps forward when we've got so many talented resources to do that. Yeah. Um, and that's always one of my biggest frustrations. Well, if I may stick with frustrations, because I share some of those with you as well, Martin, because you said this stuff is not difficult, it's quite simple. 
um, and as coaches we work on to to facilitate that type of growth and, and, and change but what are those if it's so simple what, from your experience what gets in the way of those changes and the work we do springs to mind one is that it, is this notion of scarcity mentality which mm. is fundamentally there isn't enough of something to go around and therefore if change is in the mix i therefore lose something so there's always that element that the change is too costly of some some kind of transactional way of thinking about it yeah but what's so interesting that is the reverse of what we're actually playing for if you just think about the environment we're sitting in with the rate of change on almost every level macro micro technological social environmental the opportunity if we can tap into all of the resources available to us how much more can we make an impact on those changes which are outside of our control yeah yeah and it's the opportunity that's been missed in service of what might be lost yeah and, and i guess bringing us back to diversity and inclusion that the amount of diversity that we have in the world the need to leverage and use that brilliant resource is going to become more and more critical for i guess sustainable growth so again tapping into your experience help our listeners understand other techniques that you help individuals to uh, unlock that diversity and, and leverage that diversity not just on an individual basis but on an organizational basis as well what springs to mind i spent a year on um, a supervisory coaching journey becoming a coaching supervisor which means i've been exposed to 26 people from all around the world some of the smartest people i've ever had the pleasure to meet and what i'm reminded of being in that environment is just how different the world looks when you look at it through others eyes so in answer to your question it's embracing the very change you're seeking to make because having embraced it doesn't need to be explained doesn't need any rider it's a felt sense I have, which I am now carried because I am forever changed by being in the company of the very diversity we're looking to promote in organizations and in, in all the world. So it starts, it begins at home with opening yourself up to the very thing you would see made real. That's the first thing. And being in supervision. Why are that so valuable for coaches? Because you do get to be completely vulnerable about all the things that you have a degree of anxiety about. Because as human beings, <laughs> we're kind of wired to worry about what we don't know and forget sometimes what we do know. Sure. And yeah, what, yeah, yeah. What a better place to try and even raise your game higher than tapping into that supervisory ecosystem to really start to think about new ways of thinking about how you're going to challenge the challenges of your client the organization that systemic element that's around it and all the other elements involved so that for me has been one of the ways i have managed to get clear in my own mind 
it begins with me. I do more to embrace what I don't know rather than rest on what I do know. And I go with others. Yeah, those are three nice principles. And what I'm picking up from what you've said and I've picked up all through our conversation, Martin, is your what I would call you seem to have a great level of cultural intelligence. You know, you talked about, and I know from your corporate world, worked in a number of different countries and mixing with different cultures, different difference, just mixing with difference and getting to understand that difference and accepting it. And as you say, going with it um, yeah. and just being with it. Yeah, because um, there's this thing about self as instrument trading. Right? The change in that body of wisdom and knowledge and experience that you have and being prepared to use that, use self as instrument. I remember a um, big story. I went to I went to South Africa. And I went to Cape Town first, and then I went from Cape Town to Johannesburg. Very, very different regions. And um, I went into a room full of 12 white male, um, very strong in character. They didn't know I was black. I didn't realize they didn't know I was black. So here we do the dance. But what always amazes me about that story, and I've told it a few times, we engaged after the five minutes of discomfort when I was willing to be open about how nervous I feel right now. The nervousness in the room, the fact that it's here, and I have no idea what we're going to do with it, but I'm really nervous right now. And the transformation that happened thereafter as these 12 individuals kicked into their humanity to try and make me understand there's nothing to be nervous about. Anything that you've read or whatever, there is another perspective. And what then transpired was a really good, powerful conversation, but it did start with vulnerability. Mm. It did start with honesty. And it did start with the fact self as instrument my body was racked with a whole bunch of doubt. And the reason why I tell that story is because, yeah, doubt, doubt means you're going to do something. You're not sure how it's going to work out. Mm-hmm. But but dare greatly all the same, because you'll be surprised what's just on the other side. Just well, I, on I, the other side of that. I, I love the story, Martin, because I think it picks up a really important point, which from my own experience is a bit of a blocker of people um, making people inclusive and, and embracing diversity. And that's the word vulnerability. And, you know, you're a wonderful human being and working with you before is you are very comfortable in sharing that vulnerability. Mm. But what I notice with working with many leaders is sharing a vulnerability is seen as a weakness. Mm. And they try to cover that up with power and ego. So, Help me understand how you help some of the leaders that you work with be more vulnerable and open up to allow that diversity and a different way of looking things into their world. Great question. Great question. The chemistry session that we take for granted does take on a different nuance depending on the assignment. And what I found, Trayton, that I do more, typically I would allocate 30 minutes. I would make that an hour. 
And the reason I do that, and even though it might be a, a loss of seen as a loss if you don't get the assignment or whatever, yeah. but it's I consider it an investment because if I can spend the time to understand at a very deep level, what are you willing to do for what it is you say you want? And and that's the question. And I don't care how many times we have to go around the loop, but we have to answer that question. Because if it's more of the same, but then I'm seen to have had coaching, great. Mm-hmm. But that's not me. Mm-hmm. That's not my, that's that, we, you know, I won't waste your money, your time, my time. We won't do that. Yeah. But if someone is able to tell me what they are apprehensive about, what they are unsure about, what they are fearful of getting wrong, now we've got the yeah. basis. Yeah, I, I, I love that because I'm of a similar ilk. If uh, if I feel that a client can't be vulnerable with me through the journey, not the beginning, but through the journey, and not not comfortable in being courageous in changing and trying or doing something different, then I have a reluctance to then want to work with that individual because you you're not making a difference um but it's right it's it's not just on the coach it's on the coachee and i think there's a lack of understanding about the role of the coachee within many organizations and like you i would use the chemistry session to educate the coachee about their role and the courage and effort that they need to put into the coaching journey that if they were to select me that we would be undertaking and it's a commitment, right? Because yeah. um, you you learn so much from your clients, but you also give of yourself if it's going to be transformative change. We can do the transactional thing, but actually you can just get an app to ask sure. you a whole bunch of questions sure. and you can do some reflective thinking. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let, let's not go down that route. <laughs> That's yeah, but we're not podcast. indispensable. But yeah, we, have, yes. we have value way beyond yeah. that for yeah. those who are looking to make transformative change and are looking for a thinking partner as they dare greatly to tap into areas perhaps they've never really addressed, but they know has always been there. Because surprise, surprise, as human beings, we carry habits with us. They show up under stress, often not well, but I recognize something has to give. And would you help me on that journey, finding out exactly how much I can give to change it? Yeah. Yeah. Now, again, now we've got an engagement. Yeah. yeah. So that word <laughs> vulnerability is, is so significant for much of what we've spoken about. And just to help put this into context for our listeners, with the clients you work with on a percentage, how many of those are unwilling to share that vulnerability or take that transformative step, would you say? For me, very few. That doesn't mean there have been very few clients that I haven't not worked with. Sure, 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 sure. And so my percentage is fairly high for the clients that we have found that we are we are matched for what it is they say they want. Yeah. I don't typically get it wrong, 
because I show up very vulnerable. Mm. I show up with all the things I cannot do because when it, when the the consulting is mixed up with the coaching and I want you to turn me into this and I want to be doing all of that. So when I am very vulnerable, no, nope, that's not me. And then when I explain what I am, what I have done and what I am capable of doing, does that sound like it would be useful to you? And then let the response tell its own story. Yeah. And then we do the dance together. And I'm all in for my clients, have always been. Yeah. yeah. And I know that about, you know, it's, yeah. you know, the first time we ever met Martin, you just get that feeling of you being very yeah. human, very vulnerable, very open is another word, yeah. which is yeah. great. And I think all great coaches need that. Um, but it is work in progress. You know, it's something, as you say, we're on that journey and constantly learning from the diversity that we have and meet within within the world to allow that in um, and understand. So, Martin, yeah. before we come to a close, um, top tips, sort of summary of those things that you want our listeners to take away to make sure that they leverage diversity and inclusion within their coaching practice. First thing I would say, which is which is far more prevalent than perhaps is realise an individual's felt sense that this is a space where I am considered, I feel seen, I feel heard. That felt sense is, is everything in this space. The second thing is that preparedness not to actually know what's going to happen. I've had some horrendous um, conversations where people explain all the things that went wrong. But I'm looking for, I'm trying to hear, where's the opportunity here? Because often when things go wrong, so-called wrong, it's the opportunity to really look at what's going on here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So even that notion of getting it right or wrong, that binary thinking is not helpful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the other thing I would say, the body of wisdom that most of the coaches that I meet and have the pleasure of working with and being around, that body of wisdom, knowledge, sense of self, is more than enough to meet the challenge that, that we're facing now because we've put some specific words around. It's more than enough. But you need to open yourself up to the fact it might not come out the way you think it's going to come out, at least initially anyway. Yeah. That uncomfortableness is a given, actually, and it's to be embraced because it means something can happen. Yeah. And then the last thing I would say, trust your supervisor. Mm-hmm. Yeah, trust your supervisor. My supervisor is one of the one of the most life-changing experiences that I've ever had, and I value her more than she'll ever know. Well, thank you for that. And I can see there's... Uh deep care for that person um, yeah absolutely so and she will know who she is right so that that's great hopefully she'll listen to this podcast martin thank you Be- before i let you go i ask all my guests one final question and at coaching focus we have a very simple purpose and that's coaching for a better tomorrow so i'd love to get your understanding of what coaching for a better tomorrow means for you One of the things I've seen is the expansion of coaching across a wider range of individuals. 
for many years, it's just been given to an elite few could either afford it or the organization thought were worth it. Mm. So better tomorrow for me is that coaching is used as the mechanism of change across society. That actually it, it is, and I, it's not me who said this, I just can't remember who said it, that they wish coaching was on the curriculum in schools. Not that you want the world to be full of coaches, mm. just want people to, to engage with a reflective space as a norm to stand back, to reflect before moving forward. Um, so that's for a better tomorrow. Yeah, brilliant. And and just to build on that, I, I think that's lovely. We do work for universities to help educate students who are moving from campus to the corporate world to develop that mindset, because what we want to do is change society to has different conversations. Because having different conversations and embracing all those great things you've spoken about and letting stuff in and being vulnerable and all those good things we do as coaches, if that can show up in conversations that individuals are having at the early stages of the corporate world, then hopefully we do change the world and make it a better tomorrow. So thank you. No, thank you, Trayton. Really enjoyed it. Yeah. Really. Thank really you. And, and as ever, Martin, it's a real pleasure to hear your thoughts and your wisdom. And uh, thank you, sir. It's been a real pleasure.